Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. I am E. Reese, uh, the executive pastor here. Um, as I mentioned before, please keep uh, Dwayne and Jackie in your prayers. They are going through a tough time just health-wise right now. Um, and I also did want to say before we get uh, too far down the path, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so if you're, uh, I, I heard a thing the other day that, that uh, this guy called his mom and she picked up the phone and he said, hey mom, how you doing? She said, you know what, I haven't eaten a bite of food in 38 days. And she said, he said, 38 days? Oh my gosh, mom, are you okay? Why, why are you not eating? She said, well, I, I just, in case you called, I didn't want my mouth to be full. It's like, yeah. So if your mom is still with us, uh, give your mom a call. Uh, and uh, if she's not, God bless you. And uh, our hearts are with you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness, which is kind of fun. Um, I had a horrible, horrible moment at IHOP earlier this week. Um, we had a delicious, a delicious meal, but the, the very uh, sweet and kind, you know, and malevolent waitress who was waiting on us, you know, come, came up and I was taking our order and said, oh, sir, would you, would you like the senior discount? <laughs> and I'm like going, oh, oh, my, oh, I know. It's like, and like the, the lights actually got dimmer in the restaurant, like darkness actually fell over the room. Um, and I, I heard like a buzzing, a loud buzzing in my ears. I, I'm not sure what that was, but anyway, it was like, it's like, oh, okay. I, you know, I've been, I've been trying to hold it off, but I am now, you know, welcome. I'm officially an old person now. So thank, thanks for, thanks for that uh, lady at IHOP. Um, so I, I forgive you. I forgive you, lady at IHOP, <laughs> you know, for that, for that horrible wounding to my soul. Uh, okay. So we'll, we'll move on from there. So let, let's do some more Shakespeare. Um, this is uh, the play called The Tempest. Now, it's really interesting. This is actually probably the last, one of the last things that Shakespeare wrote. It's certainly the last major play. And the summary of this, it's, it's, a great, it's a great play. The summary of this is the main character is a guy named Prospero, who was the former Duke of Milan. He was deposed by his brother Antonio and exiled to an island in the middle of nowhere with his daughter Miranda. Now, Prospero, in the, in the narrative, could use magic. And so he was in control of the island, and he had this this friendly spirit named Ariel who's with him, and um, this beastly guy named Caliban who's helping him with the island. And, and through the use of his magic and Ariel, he learned that Antonio, his brother, who deposed him and who banished him, was on a ship going by the island. So Prospero conjures up a storm, literally a tempest. It ship, shipwrecks his brother and several others, including the king of Naples and his son, Prince Ferdinand. Now, Prospero is in control of everything that's going on on the island. And what you think is going to happen is you think he's going to get him, right? He's going to exact his vengeance on the people who banished him, who sent him to this island, who really took his life away. But instead, he does something else. He orchestrates this incredibly complicated sequence of events. He creates the opportunity for romance between Miranda, his daughter, and Ferdinand, the prince. And, and through a series of events, he brings everybody from the shipwreck back together to himself, to Prospero, where he forgives his brother and the king. He just forgives them. He restores his relationship with his family. He orchestrates the marriage of Miranda and Ferdinand, and he himself is restored as the Duke of Milan. Now, as I mentioned before, this play was written at the end of Shakespeare's career, and, and as an honorary old person like myself, he may have known that this was his exit piece. He may have known that this was the last major thing that he was going to do. He may have known that. So, as old people do, he wanted a happy ending. He wanted a happy ending. Um, now, Shakespeare was possessed of amazing wisdom, and I think almost no one would deny that. And with the perspective of age, which apparently I now share, I'll get off that horse in a minute, he, he decides to write this last great play about forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? Adding another layer to that, after the play is over, we have an epilogue by Prospero, and it's one of the great speeches in all of Shakespeare. I just want to read it to you. It's pretty short. So this is Prospero speaking. 
Now my charms are all overthrown, and what strength I have is mine own, which is most faint. Now tis true, I must be here confined by you, or sent to Naples. Let me not, since I have my dukedom got. And pardon the deceiver, dwell in this bare island by your spell, but release me from the bands with the help of your good hands. Gentle breath of yours my cells must fill, or else my project fails, which was to please. Now I want spirits to enforce, art to enchant, and my ending is despair unless I be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults, as you from crimes would pardon to be. Let your indulgence set me free. And in this speech, Shakespeare does something even more amazing than The Tempest, which is one of my very favorite plays. He actually asks us directly to forgive Prospero, and by extension to forgive Shakespeare himself, to set him free from this activity of writing plays, to forgive him for not writing more, specifically this one. And he draws us, he draws us as the audience and as the reader, even across hundreds of years of time, of generations of time, he draws us into the idea of forgiveness directly. He asks us to do it. And then he, he draws us into the idea of the golden rule. As you from crimes would pardon to be, let your indulgence set me free. And it sets the stage for forgiveness, for the golden rule, for ending well. And it draws us into what I want to talk about today, which is the idea of forgiveness. Um, so our text today is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. This is a super familiar passage. It's the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's just a really interesting thing that he puts forgiveness right in the middle of a teaching on how to pray, on how to pray every day. And so I just want to do five things about forgiveness. I'm going to be super short today, so sorry about that. Just forgive me. Uh, But the first thing is this. I want to draw a distinction between the biblical idea of forgiveness and our current modern cultural idea of forgiveness, the psychological idea of forgiveness, if, if you will. Now, I'm not anti-therapy or anti-therapist in, in any way, um, but I do want to draw a distinction. So Keller, uh, Tim Keller talks about this, about this in his book, which he uh, published pretty recently called Forgive. And so I'm not anti-therapy, but there are things in life that require assistance. Uh, therapy certainly does this. And, and I, w- I would say, I'd say it like this. Look, if you break your arm, you, you can try to set it yourself, but don't, don't do that, right? Go get somebody who knows what they're doing to help you set your arm and put a cast on it and you know something. And I think therapy can operate in much the same way. Wise counsel and perspective can really help you move forward in a way that's just really hard to get to on your own sometimes. And, and the ther- but the therapeutic reason for forgiveness, um, at least outside of a Christian perspective, it's self-interest. It's self-actualization. You do it strictly for your own mental health, for your freedom, for your own peace of mind. Now, Christian forgiveness can certainly bring you those things, and it can be good for you. <laughs> but the, ground, the, the grounding motive of forgiveness is not selfish. It's not so you can feel better and so that you can stop these people from living rent-free in your head anymore. It's actually bigger. It's bigger than that. The goodness that, that we receive is a byproduct. So the, the, the ground motive of biblical forgiveness is first, to honor God, literally, to forgive as he has forgiven you. And second, to bring about change for the common good. Not just for you, but also for the person who wronged you. Because, as Boethius teaches us, we want the wrongdoer to repent. Because it's not good for them to be going around, you know, mauling people all the time, right? We want them, we want them to repent for his or her sake, for God's sake, 
and for the sake of people they, they might wound in the future in that particular way. So, the person who hurt you doesn't get to live free in your head anymore, and that's a nice side effect, but the idea that we have is bigger than that. So the therapeutic motive of self-interest won't really work in the biblical idea. If forgiveness is all about making you happier, um, can I say this gently? Lots of people find that nursing a grudge makes them really happy. <laughs> right, right. Lots of people find that vengeance, for, at least for the short term, makes them super happy while they're, while they're doing it. It might make you really happy, but God is leading us to a bigger idea, to a longer term good. And, and this, is, this is what I want to say. Forgiveness is hard, and short term, long term it's really good for you. Short term it's going to cost you something. It, it can be hard, and that's why we need to think about it. That's why we need to pray about it, maybe every day. Even, even if, somebody, if somebody wrongs us, even if they apologize, even if they're completely repentant, even if they make restitution, what can I do to make amends? And they're, and they're, they're really serious about that, and they, they really give you everything you might want in that situation. We still have to deal with the internal damage of them wounding us or mistreating us or mishandling us that that's occurred. We have to wrestle with the wounding, with the anger, with the potential harm to the relationship. And when we do that internally, when we do that internally, even if the other person does everything right after the offense, it still costs us something. We still suffer in the short term, even if it's the right thing to do. Even if the person is 100% willing to make it right as they, they can, it still costs us something. And if we can acknowledge and be honest about that, it can help us move in a positive direction. Forgiveness is hard. Um, second thing is this. Forgiveness is ongoing. It's ongoing. When you forgive somebody, especially for a bigger uh, trauma that's involved, you might forgive them, and then, you know, you forgive them again, and tomorrow you do that again. It might, it might take, a, it might take a, few, a few cycles to get it to really stick. <laughs> and, and in the prayer that we see that Jesus gives us, forgiveness there is ongoing as well. It, it's right in between, give us this day our daily bread, Resist temptation, which is just particularly a useful prayer for every day, and forgiveness is right in the middle of that. And so the idea is not that, well, you know, when something happens, you forgive, and then you move on. It's like, no. Every day, as part of your prayer, as part of your daily ongoing prayer, check your heart. Check your heart for forgiveness. Is there somebody that I need to forgive? Is there something I need to let go of? Is there something that I need to, to deal with? On, is part of a, a, a daily basis of spiritual life? Is there something going on? And it's initiated by us. This is so important. I hear people say this. Well, when they come and apologize to me, then I'll think about forgiving them. I'm like, no, nope. You forgive them proactively, intentionally. Um, you take the first move, even whether they're willing to, to repent or apologize or not. You, it's still on us to actively forgive. It's just a really interesting idea. Third thing is this. <laughs> Forgiveness is compared to writing off a debt. And this is a really interesting picture. Now, I think at the heart of, of a Christian idea of forgiveness, it's about not demanding vengeance. It's about not demanding payback. We, don't, we let go of our very human desire to escalate the situation without end. So, you know, in our, in our natural and our humanness, and man, I've been there, if somebody knocks out a tooth, we don't want justice for that. We want to knock out we don't, want to, we don't want to take their teeth. We want to knock out all their teeth, right? You know, we, we, want, we, want to, we want to step it forward, and then it goes back and forth and just escalates to murderville. Forgiveness is really the only way that this cycle stops. It's the only way that real justice can be sought when we, when we balance it and when we forgive, and then we can, we can look at things more clearly. And look, this part of it, the writing off a of debt, it's a great picture, and it gets really practical. If, if you own a small business or a large business, and you have a debt, and just, you just, you're, not, you're not going to be able to collect it. 
you have some choices at that point. You can take them to court, you can continue to beat them, you can harass people, you can call them every day, you can try to get them to pay the debt, or at some point, you can decide to write it off. It's just not worth it, right? It might be, it might be a very small amount of money, or it might be just something you're just not going to get, and you decide to let it go to focus on other things. But once you write off the bad debt, you stop trying to collect. You write it off. You don't remind the person of the debt all the time to browbeat and punish them. You don't tell everyone you know that they're a deadbeat and they try, they try to collect the debt by ruining their name and reputation. You let it go. You don't replay the video of them not paying the debt in your head in the morning and then in the afternoon and then before you go to bed at night to make sure you keep the anger hot and fresh. You acknowledge it. This is a debt. It's not going to get paid. And then you decide, I am not going to charge that debt to their account anymore. And it's a wonderful picture of letting this go and setting it free. It's not that you forget about it. It's not that you, it's not that you don't remember the thing. It's not that you weren't wounded by what happened. But I'm not going to charge that to their account anymore. And you just say it. I am not going to charge that to their account anymore. I'm going to write it off. I'm going to zero it out in the books. I'm not going to go after that anymore. And it's a great picture of what forgiveness is doing. So it, somebody will say something like this, and, and it's, a, it's, a fair, it's a fair point. What about something like a physically abusive situation? You know, a, a, a spouse beating another spouse. And, and look, I, I don't see anywhere in the text here that we need to continue to be abused or we need to continue to be a doormat. It's like, even in that situation, it's imperative that we forgive. But in that situation, the most loving thing you can do is to get help, to get counsel, to get really aggressive in setting good boundaries and to bring, bring things back into an ordered and proper place for protecting you and, honestly, for protecting the, person against, for protecting the other person against themselves. If they're, if they're not able to, to stop being truly abusive, it's not good to let them continue in that, in that behavior. And so in the business picture, you, you, while we forgive and we want to reconcile, you don't have to be a doormat. So in the business picture, maybe you operate on a cash basis for a while, right? Maybe you don't extend them credit for their business. You say, okay, well, I need you, you know, because we've had some trouble here, I'm still willing to do business with you, but I need you to pay up front, and then I'll give you the stuff, you know, as, as we go. There may be a way to save the relationship or some aspect of the relationship there may be a way to set a boundary to, to bring things into a healthy perspective. But just know this, forgiveness, while it's extraordinary, it is not a blank check for people to abuse you and take advantage of you forever. <laughs> it's, it's not that. Okay. So the last, the last thing is this. Forgiveness is tied to our own redemption. And this is an incredible and a fascinating idea. And it's this, it's this, and he's really clear about it. Our forgiving other people is tied really closely to God forgiving us. Jesus even says in a couple of places that if we don't forgive others, we put our own forgiveness with God at risk. And I don't think he's kidding about that. I think he's entirely serious. Now, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. This is E for a minute. I don't think this is a legalistic quid pro quo. Quid pro quo, I can't even say. That we don't, we don't buy God's forgiveness by forgiving others. So we forgive others and then, God, you know, then we can coerce God into forgiving us. I don't think that's what's going on. I think it's more like this. We either buy into forgiveness as an idea or we don't, right? And you can't have it both ways at the same time. So, so imagine this. So let me just make up a stupid scenario. Imagine that you hate the idea of employment. No, I mean you hate it. And not that you don't like your job right now. That's, that's fair enough. I mean you hate the idea of employment. You think that working is slavery. It's oppressive. No one should agree to it. And you tell this to everyone you know. I hate it. I hate the, I hate the system. I hate it's, it's oppressive. It's very bad. And then on day two, you ask one of the people you've been telling this to for a job. And you say, man, I'd be, I'd be a really good employee. Would you, would you give me a job? And they say, no. <laughs> and you say, no, no, I really need a job. I, I want to spend 
the money I make on luxury items like human food and shelter. And they say, no, I'm not going to give you a job. But do, do you see what I mean? You, you can't, you can't <laughs> accept the idea of employment and try to benefit from it and at the same time reject the idea of employment and refuse to participate in it. You can't do those things at the, at the same time. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just really weird and contradictory. And I think forgiveness is a little bit like that. If we wall ourselves off from the idea of forgiveness, from the practice of forgiveness, then we do that. We wall ourselves off from forgiveness, and that can have terrible, terrible consequences. But here's the good news, literally, <laughs> the good news. The power of the cross can help us get there. So it's not, it's not that, that, our, that God's forgiveness for us is dependent on our ability to forgive. It's rather the other way around. Look, the same love and sacrifice that Jesus gave to us, to me, to forgive me and restore me to God, it's the same love and sacrifice that Jesus gave to the person who wounded me or who offended me or who mishandled me. And that can change things in a powerful way. I don't have to take the debt onto myself. I can outsource the debt to the cross, right? I, I can give it to God, literally, and let him deal with it decisively. So the negative way to say this would be something like this, that if I refuse to forgive someone, I'm basically saying the cross is not powerful enough to cover that person's sin. And I demand that they pay it themselves, that they need to get their own cross, and I need to nail them to it, and, and so on and so forth. That's not that I need to collect the debt in addition to the cross. But the cooler, more positive way to say it is this. Jesus already play, paid the price of forgiveness for me. He already paid the price. I don't have to pay it. And, and he also paid the price of forgiveness for the person who wronged me. I can step into that forgiveness. I can step into his forgiveness and be super generous with God's money. Right? I, can, I can use... His, his ability to pay the debt, and I can, I can give that to him and let him pay the debt in a way that I don't force them to pay the debt. So when God tells us to forgive, even in extraordinary ways, look, I believe that God pays for what he orders. When he tells us to do something, I believe that he gives us the ability to get that done. So when he requires us to forgive, and he does, he requires us to forgive, then he enables us to forgive. He makes a way for us to forgive. And for me, the redemptive nature of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the love of God that lives in us makes forgiveness accessible to us and to all of our relationships. It's one of the central ideas of Christianity. We are literally the society of the forgiven. We become Christians by being forgiven. It's, it's literally the gateway drug into the kingdom. You know, We are forgiven. We're the society of the forgiven. So when we, when we take this idea seriously, of course we're free with our ability to forgive other peoples, even though that may be difficult. It makes forgiveness accessible to us. So what do I want you to do? Right now, take note, if you would. Uh, is there someone, somewhere, for something that you need to forgive? Maybe uh, you need to forgive again. Maybe you need to hit it again. <laughs> Maybe you need to do that a few times before you feel like it's, it's, it's done. So if you would, just in your heart right now, consider, is there somebody that that's bothering you. If there's somebody that, that you have something against or that has something against you that you need to forgive, um, just make that move right now. And also, uh, and this is the thing that I feel like God would say to us today, in, even in a room this size, there's someone here who needs to be forgiven. Let God speak to you powerfully on that front. He forgives you. <laughs> He's already paid the price for the thing that you did to harm someone else. You don't have to carry that around anymore. You don't have to try to pay for that yourself. 
the love of God, the power of the cross, it's bigger than your sin. It's bigger than your mistake. It's bigger than the things that you've done to harm other people actively, malevolently, or otherwise by accident. It's bigger than the things that you left undone, that thing that you could have done to help somebody that you didn't do. It's bigger than that. The cross is bigger than your very worst day. It's bigger. So right now, I want to pray for me and for you. And if you would, join me in this and in God's forgiveness right now. Father, we just thank you for the power of your love towards us, the power of your forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would just speak that forgiveness over each one of us. For the ways that we've fallen short, for the ways that we haven't stepped up, I pray that you would help us forgive ourselves and that you would help us let it go, that we would be able to turn that over to you, that these things wouldn't be a weight on our souls and on our hearts anymore, but that you would just break those off of us and set us free and just fill us with a sense of your love and your completeness and your forgiveness. Your cross is bigger than the things that we have done wrong, the things that we have mishandled. And Lord, I pray that if there's, if there's people that have, that have hurt us, that have wounded us, that have said things or done things that were simply wrong and ill-conceived, Lord, I pray that you would help us cut those things loose, that you would help us uh, be free from those things, that you would, again, by your power and by your love, that you would help us look at those like a bad debt and write them off and, and give those back to you and let you handle those things as you will. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us again about the nature of forgiveness, the ongoing nature of forgiveness, and that you would remind us um, of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.